Good day, everyone. This is March Twisdale, producer and host of a brand new show here on Voice of Vashon called Focus On. Let me start by asking a question. Have you ever wondered what great ideas might be hiding just next door in another culture or country? Well, this is the show where I go out and find people from other places in the world who want to share their views. Today, I'll be talking with Johannes. Johannes.、Uh, okay, Egg, and last name. Benediktsson. Johannes is one of eight guest writers from Iceland who will be joining me during the first four months of Focus On, which is recorded in the studios of Voice of Ashan. And broadcast now. I have a new schedule: 11 a.m. on Sundays, and also 5 p.m. on Fridays here in the Seattle area on 101.9 FM KVSH. Or you can sign up for my podcast at my website marchtwisdale.com. Thank you for joining us today. And now we're going to dive into the show. So,、um, Johannes, can you please give us a sense of who you are and ground us a little bit in、um, your background? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so、uh, I'm from Iceland.、Uh, I'm actually born in the U.S.、Uh, I am 36 years old. So I'm born in the U.S., but I've lived my life in Iceland.、Uh, oh. Currently, I am the CEO of a publishing company.、Uh, we publish、uh, like five or six magazines. I am the editor of one of them, and、uh, and I have a private school. I've had it for 15 years or so, and you know I write for this and that. But you know, define yourself by your jobs.、Uh, you know, thing to do. But、uh, you know, define yourself by I don't know your dream. Now,、mm-hmm. oh, that's an interesting thing.、Um, you know, what 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 would you? Who are you? But not who are you? But who would you like to be? It's a great that's point. A, that's something. Well. Uh, I, I I could answer that, but、uh, <laughs> well. it's a little scary, though, isn't it, to dive into dreams? It is. Yes,、yeah, sure, sure.、Uh, it's, you you would、uh, get philosophical. I don't know.、Uh, yeah, who, I'm just asking you. You know,、mm-hmm. what are your dreams? Right. Well, focus on is definitely <laughs> one of them. I mean, this is. I have spent、um, so. Many years living in this huge country called America. So I was born here and stayed here. And、yeah. um, what I I、um, I'm sort of an out of the box person. And what I want is for the people in my society to become comfortable looking at how our fellow humans in other places in the world are handling social issues in a way that might work better than what we're currently doing. So my dream is to sort of crack open minds a little bit and allow us to work together on a global level rather than so competitively. That's a very beautiful idea, and you you are like being on radio. It's a perfect spot for for someone with that dream. But you should consider politics. I would say. <laughs> People say this to me a lot, and I my reaction to that is, "What did I do to you?" <laughs> I mean, because、yeah, yeah. I do actually. I go down to Olympia, which is the state capital of Washington, and I spend a couple, two to three months every year engaged、um, as an informed consent advocate. And、um, I got to tell you, I wouldn't. I admire the people who are willing to endure what it takes to be a politician, and I don't want to endure that. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. You know, so uh, well, if, if let's say I was in politics, I, I do have strong opinions. But if I was in politics, I would probably cry myself to sleep every night. Even you in know, Iceland. Uh, yeah, people are mean. You Aww. know, they are. Yeah, no, but look at the politicians. Like, uh, when you become a politician, everyone gets like a free card, you know, or, or you know, a permission to talk about what a bad person you are. You know, yeah, trying to do your best, and uh, yeah, that's not the job I fancy. Yeah, no, you definitely put yourself out there with a huge, giant target on your back, on your chest, on your thighs, oh. on your mm -hmm. head, you know, and people just stand around and feel free to throw things at you. Exactly, but, you know, that is the culture, the culture around uh, politics. It's definitely not something I, I like, but, uh, but hey... The politicians, they are the ones who are making the change. And, and people in the media, obviously, they, they can make change as well. Yeah. yeah. We have a laundry list here of awesome things we want to touch upon. Since we were just talking about politics, one of the things yeah. I was going to ask you about is, um, do you have any thoughts about this um, new party called the Pirate Party? Yeah, well, I, I do have thoughts on them. The Pirate Party... Their ideas are quite fresh, and they and I believe that they are like their heart is in, you know, in, in the right place. You know, mm -hmm. so so I I believe them to be uh, honest. They they truly want to do good. And they're well, new, right? Like they they're, they 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 are new. Like in the last two years or so. Three or four years. Right. No, 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 no. Uh, they are older than four years because, um, yeah, maybe four or five years. Mm -hmm. but, um, <clears throat> no, but the thing is that they are new, and being a new party means that you, you don't have any ties to lobbyists. Right. And, uh, that is definitely something that I think every society needs. Fresh party that, uh, you know, doesn't owe any anyone anything. Right. And I'm asking and specifically is, because in the U.S., there's this weird thing going on where we have this two-party system and the idea of a new party coming on the scene is like literally most people think it will never happen. And so it's fascinating to me the fluidity of your culture that, as you say, this new party can not only come on the scene, but in a matter of five years be capturing a large number of, of um, seats in parliament and be gathering a lot of attention and interest, whereas, yeah. you know, the Independent Party or the Libertarian Party, they've been around for decades and they never, they're nothing. They just don't even have any power in America at all after decades of effort. So what's that like <laughs> living in a country where, where you have that fluidity or that ability for a new, fresh, unattached group to, to grow? Well, it's inspiring, uh, and uh, I think it's very healthy for a society to have a system like this, uh, that one day someone can say, hey, this system, you know, isn't good. Uh, I'm representing this point of view, and if you want to change it, you can vote for my party. Like, like happened in this election, mm -hmm. uh, we had a new party, and uh, it's called Vidris, and mm -hmm. 
Well, they had some uh, fresh ideas, and they, you know, they got 11%. Uh, but uh, at least 11% of the uh, society went for them. Yeah, and that's huge. They, and they, that that is huge. And uh, right now, they are, uh, you know, they have no ties to anyone, mm-hmm. and they are in the government. Uh, another party called Bright Future, it's called. Mm-hmm. It is, like I said, it is healthy for the society to to have uh, new voices uh, with new views, you know, from time to time. And this happened four years ago in, in the city of Reykjavik. We had actually a comedian who ran for uh, mayor, uh-huh. Jón Gnarr, he is called, and uh, he said, you know, I have a lot of promises, but, you know, I'm not going to do any of the, the thing I'm, I'm talking about. And it was, you know, he was very honest about that. Did he win? And he won, yeah. Ah! And, you know, he, he, he destroyed it. Oh and it was God. beautiful. But then at the end, uh, he is a good guy. Mm-hmm. And his heart is beating, you know, in, in, in correct way. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's like, he, he wants to do just, and he wants to make the society better, or that at least was my interpretation of, of him. And he was the mayor for four years, completely uh, unattached to any forces, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just changed the city, and I, I would say that the city is better. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, like a clean-up. Right. You know, a lot of things that happened over time and was just broken. Mm-hmm. Well, he, yeah. he could chase it. Yeah. 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 Well, and now do, do you feel like um, uh, it, uh, in America, it oftentimes politically feels sort of like warfare. Basically, you have two parties at war with each other. And there's yeah. this idea that they will cross the aisle and work together which is um, becoming less and less promising as an option. When you have multiple parties, like one party has 11% and another party might have 15%, blah, blah, blah. Do the people of Iceland expect their representatives to perhaps, rather than do warfare, because no one who's that small of a percentage can actually win, is there an expectation of more collaboration and, um, and cooperation because it's sort of necessary when you have multiple parties? I mean, what's, what's the sense about that? Well, yeah, I, that's a good question. So uh, when, when uh, the parties decide to work with, with each other and form government, I think the key word is sacrifice. Mm. You know, we have to sacrifice this and that and find common ground and, uh, you know... And make this work. Mm-hmm. The government must must work. And you know, and uh, there was a lot of uh, like uh, pe- people were trying to form government in lot of different ways. And I think it was like you know, five or six attempts to make a government. You know, mm-hmm. the left left parties uh, talked to uh, the, the 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 ones closer to the to the center. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that didn't work out. The the far right parties. You know, and, and then finally they made an agreement and they said, okay, we're going to go for this. This might work. Right. This is like an opportunity for the for the small parties like that holds very maybe innovative 
uh, opinions or like uh, want to change just a tiny fracture of the society. They say, okay, hey, we got 8%, mm -hmm. but we, we are willing to support the government mm -hmm. if we get this thing done. And that could be like, I don't know, equal rights uh, mm -hmm. for, for men and women or, or, or you know, for... Um, so they might have one specific thing that is their bottom line or their highest priority, and they show up well, at the table and they're like, y'all know this is what we're interested in, so we want to work for this. Where do you need us to help you in your areas so that you will then be willing to help us with this? Okay. That, that would be simplifying it a bit. <laughs> but, no, 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 but... but, but it, Just uh, a bit. Yeah, a bit, yeah. But I think that having many parties, new ideas uh, might come, come to reality more easily than, let's say, than in the U.S. Right. Okay. So when it comes to collaboration in Iceland and the functionality, I love how you sound so aware and engaged. And I'm, I'm sure that that's partly because in case my listeners don't already know, Iceland has a population of roughly 350,000 people. That is half the size of the city of Seattle. So I like to put that out there for people who are listening. Imagine if your entire country was half the size of Seattle. And obviously that has an impact on society that in a country of 350 million you're not necessarily going to be able to achieve. But in your, in Iceland, you have traveled, you said, everywhere from New York, Spain, Denmark, Iceland, Romania, other places. You've, you've got a, a pretty wide view. What do you think works best about healthcare in Iceland? Why do you think the people in Iceland have such a good supportive system? I don't know. Uh, it uh, it, it has been like this for a long time. You know, th this is what our neighbors are doing in the other Scandinavian countries. And, and this is just uh, the idea, you know, well, help other people be good, you know. And, uh, and even, even if you don't need it yourself, you can, you know, you can help someone else. And, uh, and uh, well, maybe one day, maybe one day I will need it. And it's very comforting to know that uh, there is a security net there, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I like that idea. But uh, <clears throat> so, so I, I was living in, in New York for a few months. And uh, the, the first thing I noticed in New York was a friend of mine called it the street psychos. We have, like, obviously mentally uh, ill people, and no one feels responsible. Or, you know, maybe people feel responsible for them, but no one has the responsibility of just, you know, helping those people. Right. And, uh, and that's it's very sad to, to see, because uh, I, would, I would never see this in Iceland. I would never see this in Denmark, hmm. Germany... And, you know, in, in Europe, well, okay, it's a broad statement, but uh, people talk about the health care, you know, like, like there's a huge debate about it right now in, in, in the U.S., and they talk about, like, like it's a bad thing, but mm -hmm. I definitely can assure, you know, this is 
one of the best things about living in, in uh, Europe. Well, I, I, I very much hope that you will hold on to what you have already <laughs> and, and not lose it like almost happened you know, with Trump care or whatever you called it. Yeah, I mean, what I find really fascinating is whether it's college education or whether it's healthcare, the people of the society can streamline it where they tax themselves and they convert that money 100% into providing the service. You just pay directly for college or you pay directly for healthcare, bam. But the current option we have includes this whole profit layer. And that's really why things are so much more expensive. If you're going to ask your young people to go to a bank and take out a bank loan and then go to school and then spend the next 20 years paying off that loan, in the end result, you got the same thing. A human being went to college and got educated. But in that system, this banking layer also generated a bunch of profit compared to a tax system where there wouldn't be profit being gained from it. So and the same thing happens in healthcare. You know, the insurance agencies basically are making a tremendous amount of profit by adding themselves like an extra layer of frosting between two layers of cake. You know, the people want to get to the doctor and they say, sure, but first we have to profit off of it. I think sometimes we're so deeply mired in the current system, we can't step outside of it and actually see it very clearly. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, like, uh, I have noticed, so I watch a lot of uh, U.S. television. I, you know, do it over YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed that, like, like uh, socialism, that's considered a bad word. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I'm, I'm no leftist and I'm no right, you know, I'm no right wing or left wing. But uh, socialism... Well, you know, it's just, uh, in my opinion, it's just being to, to care. That's another word to care for uh, your neighbor, or, or you know, it's um, it's it's not a bad it's it's not a bad word. You you shouldn't say, oh, he's a socialist. Now, what does that tell you about this person? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in general, when I when I traveled to Denmark last year, what I found fascinating was every conversation I had literally with every person where I was asking them questions about what it was like to live in Denmark and blah, blah, blah. Um, Everybody at some point in the conversation said to me, yes, but that's what we pay our taxes for. Yeah. And they said that with a sense of sort of ownership and awareness. And they're like, of course, we have these benefits that we enjoy, but we pay for them. That's what our taxes are for. In America, I'm not I don't feel like people have a sense that their taxes come back to them, which is part of why people are so upset. Your taxes are seen as just disappearing and going away. And no one has a sense that they ever really get a benefit. What do people feel like um, in general, if there's a casual conversation? Well, here's a good question. Do you guys have to file taxes yourself? Do you have to like hire a tax expert and um, pay your taxes, or does the government um, do that uh, for well, you? Well, um, I, I have to. My, so my my stuff is complicated. So I have to pay someone to do it. Uh, but most, you know, most people do it themselves. Mm-hmm. In Denmark, you just and and I think also in Norway, uh, you just get uh, a letter sent home uh, to you and say, this is how your tax report yeah. looks like, and uh, do you accept? 
and usually they say, yes, this is, you know, this is how, how it is. And I, I like that idea, you know, everything is transparent and, you know, you, you, you don't even have to make a decision or, you know, you, it's not your problem. Right. Uh, In America, April 15th is usually tax day and everyone starts yes. to get nervous at the end of January when your tax um, letters start showing up in the mailbox. In February, yeah. people put it off, and then March, people start to get really anxious, and they start stressing about it. And if, if you go to the tax people, like on March 15th, they'll say, you should have come a month ago. We're, we're booked up. We may not have room for you. And there's yeah. this whole societal anxiety fest that happens every single year in <laughs> late March and early April. It's like panic. And I found yeah. it fascinating that in Denmark, there, you don't even have to worry about it. Just done for you. Letter shows up. I thought, oh, the emotional relief, or yeah. the the lack of anxiety that that generates is phenomenal. And and, and uh, also the <clears throat> the Nor Norwegians they uh, take it a step further, and they uh, uh, so if you want to look up. Uh, your co-workers salary you can do so online uh, and you know that this goes for everyone you know there is no secret secrets there and, and well, that's a know, way of making sure that how does that what's the benefit or value pulled from that uh, this will make the society a fair society you know no one uh, no one is getting away with you know no bosses will get away with paying himself too much uh, this will help equality of of men and women. So, uh, right. uh, women would say, a woman would say, uh, well, hey, you are you're paying a guy, you know, twenty per percent more than you're paying me. Mm -hmm. uh, what's up with that? Right. And uh, the company would have to say, well, yeah, hmm, we we will have to fix that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, well, my my point is here, you know. Uh, it's kind of weird, and you know your 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 paycheck should you know I consider it a bit of a personal thing, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I would say you know for the society it's really healthy mm. uh, to have everything up on the tables. Transparency, if, right? Transparency, yeah. And that is that is going to happen in uh, Iceland very soon, so the government bills will all be transparent. You know, and uh, I think that will strengthen our uh, go government, and uh, they they will take more responsibility mm -hmm. on whichever step they will take. And I, I think this is like this in in the U.S. There's a lot of transparency when it comes to go government. If you uh, file, I, um, if you file like, um, oh, what's that called? There's this thing where basically you have to like file a request for the information. It's not like it's just broadly posted very often so yeah you have to yeah, fight for it yeah but but uh, my point is though uh you can acquire this information which means that uh, the person at the other end somehow uh within the soul thinks you know well i have to be responsible you know can i defend right. this action and that's a very positive thing Right, because the government uh, needs to be seen as, I've always thought of politicians as really servants, you know, civil servants, which is technically what they're supposed to be, but far too often they seem to be in service of themselves or their friends. And I think the more transparency, yeah. we need to get away from 
the tendency to have a combative relationship with our own governments, because if they really are ours, then everything should be transparent because it's all our government, our money, our systems, right? Yeah, but uh, we can, you know, look at the, uh, our in- initial conversation or, or, you know, when we're talking about the new parties. Right. The, the healthy thing of new people taking charge is that, you know, all the old lobbyism mm-hmm. does not apply to uh, new people. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we are, it's like a computer that is running very slow until you, you know, press the, the switch off button and switch it on again, and then it's, you know, back to normal. Right, or it, ha- or it accumulates viruses over time, how, and, you know. Exactly, it's, a, it's a excellent, excellent, you know, and it's like somehow gets corrupt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, so, so uh, the system we have in Iceland well, at least we have the option of uh, renewing quite easily. Mm-hmm. And if someone is doing something catastrophic, like last government, you know, they were they were really not doing what they really not executing the will of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, well, we had brand new like the the pirates. I think they have 15, 15 seats. No, no, they had 15%. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And the, this visitors, they had 11, so we have 26% there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one-fourth. That is just really, you know, new blood. Right. Well, on that note, really quickly, I'm going to go ahead and do a station identification to make sure people who have just joined us know who they're listening to. Hi, my name's March Twisdale. I am the producer and host of Focus On. And today I'm having a great time talking with, I'm going to have you say your name because I will say it wrong. Johannes Benedetson. There we go, from Iceland. Um, Before we return to the interview, I'd like to give a shout-out to some folks who support Voice of Vashon. Minglement has, since 1972, been Vashon Island's original natural marketplace, where owners, staff, and customers alike embrace the importance of natural, organic, and non-GMO food and products. Carrying a full selection of organic groceries, produce, prepared foods, supplements, tinctures, gifts, bulk teas, spices, and herbs, and conveniently located at center where the town of Vashon originated. Now, up in the current downtown, you can always drop by Vashon Market IGA. They also support Voice of Vashon. They're one block west of the main highway where you can find everything from fresh produce to kids' specials, legendary meats, wine, spirits, and movies. They are open daily from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And so now we're going to get back to the interview, and let's dive sideways. In addition to how it affects politics, um, the closeness of your society um, or the interconnectedness of your society seems to have an impact on crime. Now, in the United States of America, we have some serious problems. I believe we have more people. Bernie Sanders talked about this a lot over the last year. There are more people imprisoned in the United States of America than there are in um, China, for example. So China has like three times their population and less people in jail. Um, Prisons are are a big for-profit 
industry in the United States of America, and a number of them are being built. Like, we're increasing our um, prison capacity in the U.S. Meanwhile, over in, I believe, Switzerland, they are so successful at helping people who have fallen into criminal activity for whatever reason to get healthy, to recover, and to reenter society um, and not go back to prison later, but to stay as um, legal, successful citizens, that they're actually shutting down their prisons. And in Iceland, there's this really interesting thing that happens around why people are motivated to, to not break the law. So you want to talk a little bit about sort of what would motivate a person to make the right decision in Iceland? <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, be a good person. Uh, to, what would motivate a person to not break the law? Well, what happens think... when you do break the law and everyone finds out about it? Yeah, okay, I, I see your point. Uh, well, okay, so in Iceland we have a very small society, and if you break the law, uh, everyone will know about it. And everyone, you know, so your reputation will be damaged for life. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for, for, for me, I would certainly not want that to happen, obviously. But, uh, like, in, in larger co- communities, uh, that won't happen, you know. Uh, but I, I think, though, uh, that is not, like, the main force in, in, in why not break the law, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the reason for why not, for not breaking the law is just... You know, you just don't want to do it, you know. <laughs> and, but, uh, so in Iceland, for example, when you look at crime in the United States of America, what we talk yeah. about is we talk about white-collar crime and blue-collar crime. So white-collar yeah. crime is the wealth class, and very often they don't get caught. You know, they can be on Wall Street with, you know, five prostitutes snorting cocaine and the police are not going to bother them in their fancy limousine. Whereas when you have poverty class people, they're committing crimes oftentimes because they don't see a way to succeed in their life or survive. And in Iceland, as you speak about, for example, this idea of helping each other out, and it seems to be a sort of a dominant cultural viewpoint, do you think that less people feel desperate in Iceland? No, well, that's that's the point. You know, like I, I said it before, I'm not an extreme leftist and I'm not extreme right rightist. But uh, well, when you have like when you pay taxes, part of it goes to uh, help those people that need it the most. And mm-hmm. so in, in the U.S. you have more extreme. You, 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 I don't know the tax percentages, 20, like 1% or, or 3. I, I don't remember it, but it's very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, in Iceland, like, like I was talking about the people wandering the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If I see someone like this, I call the police and the police comes and puts it in uh, institution. And mm-hmm. uh, in the institution, it gets help. Right. Okay, uh, I wouldn't say problem solved, but maybe we would. Uh, it it is in some kind of a process. Okay. Right. Uh, but this person in the U.S. God knows where it's uh, that person's. You know what it will do, and you know, and uh, 
and this goes, and I'm not talking about mental illness, I'm also talking about poverty, like extreme poverty, that goes unhelped mm-hmm. in, in the US. And that doesn't give you very good result, you know. That mm-hmm. is the reason, you know, the poor people, uh, they, they, they need to live just like me and you, you know. They, they, they need to, you know, get food somehow and uh, shelter and, and, you know, if they, they take alternative paths that might be illegal mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the state will help those people before they get desperate. Right. Like literally you were saying in Iceland that there, and I noticed this in Denmark, that there basically was no homelessness in Denmark. I walked all over the place. I tried to find it. The only people I could find, which was five total, um, and they were, like I said, they were um, summertime immigrants from Romania. Um, was the information I was able to glean. And um, the the woman I talked to, one woman I talked to about it, and I mentioned um, homelessness in America, and she says to me, she says, well, don't you have immigrants in America who are homeless? Like, we have these people coming in, and and they're just here temporarily, and they don't have a place, so they sleep in the park or whatever. She says, you know, do you have that? And I said, actually, immigrants are hardly never homeless in America. Immigrants show up and they they land with family. They start working. You know, they they almost always have something to do. It's Americans that are homeless in America. And she says to me, what? I don't think I understood you. And I clarified. And she (laughs) said, but 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 that's not possible. (laughs) I'm like, ah, yes. Well, tell that to the thousands of people who are living in six homeless camps in downtown Seattle right now through the winter they're living in yeah. tents thousands of people in downtown Seattle you everywhere yeah. you go if you yeah. drive if you walk three blocks you will pass um, a couple of tents in a corner every block has one or two homeless people on it yeah. it's everywhere yeah well so everyone has the right to dignity and uh, and uh, I think the government should always fulfill this right for everyone. Uh, obviously, we, we, we will always have problems, but like in the US, it is very extreme, in like very extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, compared to every place I've, I have lived in, you know, uh, I, I, I studied in Denmark for three years and I got free education there. You know, why? I, I have no idea why they gave me free education, but they did. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy about it. But, uh, you know, and, and maybe my taxes will give some Danish kid free education one day. I have no idea. But, you know, Denmark, of course, has problems, but nothing compared to what this be uh, on the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, all right, folks. So you, if you've just um, joined us and flipped on your dial, wondering what this awesome show is and you want to be able to listen to the beginning of it, just go to voiceofvashon.org and check out Focus On, and you will be able to catch this show. Or you can go to my website, marchtwisdale.com, and I am currently right now speaking with, okay, say it for me. Johannes Benedison. 
There we go. That awesome dude. So um, let's see here. Before I go back, I want to give a little bit more appreciation to the people who make Voice of Ashon possible, such as Pandora's Box, located at 17321 Vashon Highway Southwest, Vashon Island's provider of quality pet foods, all that comes with over 100 years of combined knowledge and experience in pet care and pet nutrition. And you can ask for Bo. That's their store, Kitty Cat. Also, if you're looking for a house on the island, John L. Scott is a founding underwriter for Voice of Vashon. They are the best people with the best results. Okie doke. So uh, thank you so much, by the way, for um, being willing to sort of share your personal on the ground in these different countries perspective and for joining me today, taking time out of your day. Well, minus the pressure. Minus the pressure? Uh, the pleasure. Oh, the pleasure. Uh, the pleasure and privilege. <laughs> that's, that's all mine. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. So you said earlier that you're like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, love your well. humor. I'll let you take it from there. So tell us a little bit about what's so... Well, okay, two things. First, Thor seems to matter. There's a lot of things like the Thor's gym right? That you have the picture of. And um, so I'm going to Iceland, by the way, I'll be there May 24th through the 26th. And there's all these Thor this and Thor that, which is a little curious about that. And then of course, there's the original immigrants to the North American continent. So why don't you dive in and share some cool information? Well, okay. So uh, Thor, it's a It's the Norse mythology, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a god. Obviously, you know it's from the comics, like Thor and Loki and stuff like that. But uh, so this is a real name in Iceland, and uh, and it usually serves as a second name, but sometimes as the first name. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's awesome. uh, Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, so I, I, if you, if you, do you, do you know the show uh, Game of Thrones? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a guy there who is uh, playing like a, well, what, what's it, uh, a life, uh, lifeguard or what's the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um he's basically a person who guards another person's life, yeah, a yeah, bodyguard. Yeah. He, a bodyguard, yeah, yeah. Yes. He is protect. He is protecting the queen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is called the Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I was having him. Him, he is an Icelandic guy, uh-huh. uh, and I was having him in an interview. And his name is Hafthor, but you know Hafthor, uh, that doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't go very well. So he shortens his name into Thor, mm-hmm. you know. But everyone knows him as the Mountain, right? Uh, and. Um, Actually, so I asked him, have you, have you seen the, the, these shows? I the watched like one series, one year worth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I won't go into it, but it was a really fun interview. Oh, I bet it was. Uh, and uh, so, well, Thor is also, if you, if you read the Icelandic sagas, and I'm like a huge fan of the Icelandic sagas, and I, you know, really like... Uh, uh, that was the vacuum cleaner um, right. uh, uh, thing, you know. I, I just uh, the the stories. I, I I suck them into me. 
like a like a vacuum cleaner. Right, right. Anyway, so I I remember in one in one saga we have this um, there is this guy his his name is uh, Rolvur Mostraskek, and he comes from Norway. Uh-huh. And it's a really hard name to pronounce. Rolvur Mostraskek. You know, it's like a, <laughs> you know, it's like my 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 mouth is filled with rocks. Right. You know? <laughs> anyway, so he he uh, goes. Uh, he is like a he's like a cheerleader. You know, he really likes this this uh, Thor, his god. You know, mm-hmm. they all believe in Thor and Odin and Loki, and you know, right. and uh, he, he he really likes um, Thor. And uh, I read uh, in in this book, which is called Erpigja, they, they talk about this guy's story. You know, just briefly, and. On one page, uh, they have uh, 35 mentions, direct or indirect, mostly indirect. Mm-hmm. 35 mentions to Thor. Oh, so, wow. You know, his name was Rolver, but he changed his name into Thor Olver. He had a son, and he called him Thorstein. <laughs> he had another son. I'll, I'll just call him Thorstein as well. And, you know, who, who are these sons going to marry? Well, there's a girl that her name is Thora. You know? oh <laughs> he was just, uh, he comes <laughs> to Iceland and, you know, uh, touches down uh, close by Reykjavik and, and everything so, he so, touches. Yeah, sorry. So I, no, no, it's okay. So, so I just want to pull that history piece together. Um, because obviously the Vikings are related to Denmark as well. I went to um, Roskilde or whatever that town is pronounced properly as. Okay. And there's like a bunch of um, Viking boats there. There's a museum and stuff. So, so Iceland was basically at some point um, colonized by um, the Vikings. Is that how the, because it's, it's obviously not, it didn't originate in Iceland. It originated in, in, um, I don't know, Scandinavia. And then it came to Iceland at a certain point. The, the, The Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's similar to uh, U.S. history. You know, those are just people. Uh, they were living mostly in Norway, but uh, also in Ireland and Scotland and England and Denmark. And, on the coast, mostly. Uh, on the coast, mostly, mostly on the coast. And and they had this uh, ruler. He, he was called Harald, uh, the hair, uh, the fair haired. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harald, he was the ruler of Norway, and he said, you know. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna conquer Norway, and I'm gonna be the king. Some people did not like that, mm-hmm. and you know they, they said, well, well, we are not gonna be uh, ruled by anyone. So you know, see you in next life. Mm-hmm. And they go, they they you know take their ships, escape him, or just you know find better life in Iceland. Okay. Uh, so it's it's not necessarily colonized. Uh, so that would be a bit improper. Way right, right, right. This. No, I see what you mean. Uh, but they immigrated or they, they found they new land. There. Yeah. But what happens next is kind of interesting because so uh, we have those people in, in, in Europe that have found this island in in, in middle of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have those guys, uh, Vikings, and uh, they, they go to Greenland. And uh, it happens so that one boat uh, gets blown off course and finds a new land, and it's North America. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
people say, you know, that's Leif Eriksson, but that's not correct. You know, Leif Eriksson wasn't the first. The first guy was called Bjarni Herjolfsson, and he was he was aiming for Greenland. And uh, Leif Eriksson, he uh, he was an Icelandic slash Greenland guy. Some people think he was Norwegian, but you know that's well, you're reaching very very far if you if you claim uh, that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he he hears this Bjarni Herjolfsson talk about this new land and. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Leifur, uh, Leif uh, goes and uh, goes to find this new place, and uh, we have his story, uh, the story of Leif Eriksson, and we have more stories, you know, and they are they are really interesting. And Leif Eriksson, you know, what year was this? Wrong. What year? Like eleven hundreds? Uh, no, 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 no. So Leif is around uh, thousand. But okay. Bjarni is around 986, I think. Right, right. Uh, but the, the most interesting guy, his name was called uh, uh, Karls Ebni. Um, and uh, and uh, so he goes, uh, he, he goes, you know, really, you know, collects a lot of boats and, you know, we're just going to go there and we're going to live there and, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he collides with uh, the people that already live there. The, right. The, uh, uh, the the natives, mm-hmm. and we have like a very interesting uh, and detailed descriptions where where they uh, are doing business with the natives, and you know, and uh, there's a bull that goes crazy, you know, for some reason, and and chases the the natives into the woods, and a week later the natives they they have gathered an army. And they, they just, you know, uh, go on their canoes and they're everywhere, you know. And they, he uses the, the word, you know, they, they're countless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and it's a inter- super interesting story. And uh, so a how, woman, how far, uh, just to give the listeners a sense it, physically, wait, wait, how far yeah. down the coast, where roughly was this happening? Uh, so, so it it would be uh, it was it would be a bit north of New the state of New York. Got it. And a bit. It's you know a bit south of the border. You know it's it's like mostly Nova Maine. Scotia and that area. Right. But uh, but you know but we would be we would reach North America. You know the U.S. Mm-hmm. definitely. But uh, so uh, I'm gonna finish the story because it ends so in, in an interesting way. Yeah. There's a, this this Viking woman. She is saying you know what's wrong with you? You know you're all strong guys. You know and these guys the the natives. They are also tiny. Why, why don't you, you know, you, you're used to slaughter animals. Why, why don't you fight these guys? And the, the, the Vikings, they're, they're like, but, but look how many they are, you know. We, we cannot, you know, she, is, she says, you know, she, she takes charge and she runs into the woods and grabs a sword and, and rips off her clothes and presses the sword uh, to, her, to her breasts mm-hmm. and screams like, like, a crazy person, like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> and, and by doing so, uh, the natives they they're like, okay, now what is going on? <laughs> this is this is something we have never seen, and you know, okay, guys, this is this is beyond comprehension. Let's leave now, and they run away. And by doing so, she saved uh, these guys, you know, Thorfinn Karlsefni and and uh, his crew. And uh, so they, uh, so they, they leave North America, and 
the reason they say, you know, okay, it's a great country, but the inhabitants, well, we would not be able to live uh, next to them. They they are mm -hmm. not friendly. Mm -hmm. But on the way, an, an interesting thing though, on the way back, they pick up two Indians, two Indian boys, and they ask them, or you know, they they just take them and bring them back to Greenland or or, or Iceland. And they just ask them, you know, so guys, you know, they, they teach them how to speak Icelandic and they ask them about the life in, in North America. And uh, their, their story, you know, is preserved in books uh, in Iceland, you know, for thousands, thousands of years. Wow. And that's amazing, you know. And, uh, and while all of that is is recognized probably on the global level as being, you know, this incredible piece of history. If you're growing up in this country, that is completely unmentioned and undiscussed if you are a child going to a U.S. government school and learning about the history of Europeans discovering this side of the hemisphere. I mean, it's just no. not talked about. Believe me, this is so interesting mm -hmm. and you know i don't know I, I could i could talk about this for hours you know they, they describe the, the the natives like they have like this this uh, crazy hairdo and and their eyes cannot be described with other words as than than you know the the, the mad eyes you know broad mm -hmm. cheeks and you know and they have this ritual like they are they have like a plant or something and they they rotate it above their head clockwise, mm -hmm. but when they're angry, they, they rotate it counterclockwise. That's a and, lot of know. detail that these people no, picked no, up no, on. That, that's, that's the beautiful part, you know. Right. And, 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 the, and, the, and the craziest part of it all, that uh, we have discovered that some people in Iceland have uh, Native American DNA. Did you know this? Genetic testing. Yeah, yeah, genetic testing right. show that there is some combination, you know, some some relation to natives of North America, and that cannot be explained with other words. And 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 you know, so these are with, people with, who have like an entire Icelandic lineage, and they they haven't like they didn't have anyone, you know, in the last hundred years come over from the U.S. And yet they find that genetically, somewhere way back there, the the well, genes well, came in. Yeah. So one thousand years ago. They were interacting with uh, right. the natives, right? Uh, and then again, two hundred years ago, right? Uh, but but those, those genes go way way back, right? More, they can more, check. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So like, well, what what bothers me is that this is so interesting. They are not even teaching this in Icelandic school, and they really? should. Why? No, no. Well, I, I think, you know, we have like a very conservative approach to history, you know, and you should talk about this story and you should talk about that story. But we have, we are so rich, yeah. and, you know, and, and North America as well. Like I am, I am telling you this story and I, I, I think maybe one out of 10,000 knows this story or, or, or less, mm -hmm. but this is, this should be a part of, you know, the, 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 the study, you know. Yeah. I have, um, I grew up with a father who got a master's in um, the Middle Ages, you know, so he was a big history buff. And I've just always found history to be fascinating. And um, it's, it's sort of like this incredible, 
incredibly missed opportunity where we we have these these truly fabulous and amazing stories that are sitting out there that are real and yet we um we ignore many of them and it is sad it is sad yeah no, but you know the culture like you know someone decided at one point that this should be the history that is being taught in school yeah but what i am what what bothers me is that the history we learn in iceland is kind of boring but we have so you know, there is so much spark mm-hmm. and flame in this history and we can tell it in so interesting and, and alive way mm-hmm. why don't we do it you know i, I don't know i mean it, people go to people read fictional books and they go to movies because they love stories and they will stay up all night for eight hours reading a story. You know, Harry Potter comes out and you've got, you know, 500 people lined up at midnight to buy a book and they go straight home and they will stay up all night long reading that story. Humans love stories and the human world of historical stories are just as fascinating if they're presented in a fascinating way. But you're right. There is a strange, in a way, I sometimes wonder if there is intention to make history boring so people will hate it because honestly if people don't like history and they decide to ignore it then they are so much easier to manipulate um and trick into repeating history because they're missing all this information yeah definitely i i completely agree but you know who who has the responsibility you know i i would say the teachers the teachers, they do know uh, all of the story and they have the power of telling the story and, and, and selecting the correct or, you know, or selecting the fun part. Mm-hmm. But somehow they, they just stick to the safe part, to the traditional uh, conservative histories. But then, you know, and we, we have like so much history written in Iceland and, you know, the, the beautiful part, you know, so I... Now we have the year 2017. I speak the, exactly the same language they spoke thousand years ago. Right. So when I read, so when I read the old books, I, I don't need a dictionary to translate it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just you know. So thousand years of isolation, mm-hmm. well uh, preserved the language, and and that's. Uh, that's just, uh, that's pretty cool. That is, that's, no, that yeah, is really well, cool. Because if, if I were to read something that was written 150 years ago, it has a totally different type of dialect. And if I'm looking at something from, you know, um, Chaucer, you know, I mean, there's yeah. things that, that people will say, is that really English? Because I only understand, you know, one out of every 15 words. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it must be amazing to be able to literally realize you're speaking the same way that Leif Erikson and, and all those people were speaking. Yeah, no, well, and I was thinking about it. Like, so now we are talking and I'm having a, a conversation with you. So when, when, uh, when you read the book, book, you have a one-way conversation with the author. He is right. telling you a story. But thousands, you know, we can have this dialogue with a person that was living thousand years ago you know, it's like a, a time machine, or you yeah. know, like so. So I, I really get a sense of who this person was, and like 
like tiny things like when when the person is uh, describing other other people mm-hmm. uh, so they don't have uh, the photos so they have they they have only words they approach it differently so they they say yeah oh, his uh, nost like the nose they have like 15 different ways of describing <laughs> nose right and, right you know what is this the, the forehead is really small and his uh, no, what's no, nostril or yeah or, yeah nostril uh, yeah the the, no, the nostril is wider than average you right know, who on earth would describe another person like this in today's world you would just you would just show show a picture right in, in, in different society well there were dangerous people wandering around around and some had like small foreheads and and, and wide nostrils or, or had some weird way of walking and that right. was the only way you could identify that person but you know so my point here is uh, so you have this one-way conversation to a very interesting person but that has different values different culture and different approach to everything but has the same toolbox in expressing those views and that is the language I speak today yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, that is that is that's a great point. That's a great it, it point. It is, it is, and I, I feel so lucky, you know. And there, is, there, there are so many books, and you know, we have, uh, you know, I know, I could go on forever. I know. know, so could I, but we are yeah. running out of time. <laughs> you know what, though, we got through our laundry list. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. got through everything. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, so, hey, folks, we're just about out of time now. My name is March Twisdale. If you've just tuned in, you've been listening to the tad end of my interview with, and how do you say your name? Johannes Benedison. There you go. Um, here on Focus On. Uh, this show airs at 11 a.m. on Sundays and 5 p.m. on Fridays. And I hope you will come um, check out my website, marchtwisdale.com, where you can also stream the show anytime you want to fit your schedule. And um, Johannes, thank you so much for joining me. It was so lovely to, to, to talk to you. And, uh, you know, if you come to Iceland, I would be very happy to, you know, show you around. Well, I am. I will be there in late May. So I'll email you the dates. I have two days that are roughly open, hoping to visit with people I've had on the show. So we'll have to see if we can make that happen.